It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. What a big show I have for you today. Former Blue Jacket Scott Hartnell joins me to talk about his new career as a broadcaster in the National Hockey League. That's coming up in just a bit. But first, the Blue Jackets, a winner last night in Dallas. They scored a 4-1 to win at home on Tuesday over the Detroit Red Wings, snapped a five-game losing streak. They were desperately looking to put together another good, solid effort. I think it's safe to say they did that last night in Dallas. Let me also tell you about Telhio Credit Union because at Telhio, they've been putting people above profits since 1934. They've been doing it for so long. It is just what they do. It comes second nature to them. So do you have your money in the right place? Are you sure? You can find out by going to their website at telhio.org. Surf around, click on the tabs, see what services they have, see what perks they provide, and maybe you'll find that Telhio is where you need to be. The question you'll be asking yourself is, why use just a regular bank when you can become part of a credit union that puts you above everything else? Telhio Credit Union. Find them online at telhio.org. So the Blue Jackets said big win last night. Uh, it was um, it wasn't pretty in many ways. I mean, it was a game where you had to wonder if anybody was going to score. The Blue Jackets broke the 0-0 tie late in the second period. I shouldn't even say the Blue Jackets. One guy did it. It was Boone Jenner. Put the team on his back for that shift. Uh, went to the boards, battled Andre Sekera, the defenseman. Stole the puck away. And instead of just dragging it off the wall, skated a couple of strides. Found himself in a good shooting position on Anton Hudobin and beat him. And it was a game where at that point, you had to think whoever gets the first goal is going to get a ton of momentum because the teams were playing the same way. Well, they both went into the game as teams that over the past couple of weeks have struggled to score. Uh, The Dallas Stars hadn't scored in seven periods going into the game. So teams are struggling to score. Uh, Not all facets of their game were working. Uh, In Dallas, when they were playing well, five on five, they weren't playing well on special teams and vice versa. The Blue Jackets know what that's all about, right? And what's happened to them in the two weeks previous to the win against the Detroit Red Wings on Tuesday night. So the storylines were the same for both teams. Um, Dallas was missing Alexander Radulov. He got hurt at Nationwide Arena on February the 4th. Hasn't played yet, although he is getting closer to returning. I don't know if he'll be in for the second game tomorrow night or not, but they would they would like for that to be the case. He's got a lower body injury. He wasn't in there. Uh, Rope Hintz, who is another good player for them, didn't play last night. So the Blue Jackets needed to take advantage, and they did. And I thought Anton Hudobin fought the puck a bit last night. I don't think there's any question. When it came to the goaltenders, Corpusala was the better one, and the Blue Jackets got the win because of it. But it's a one to nothing game, then going into the third period, and the Stars make a just a huge mistake in their own end and hand the puck to a wide-open Oliver Bjorkstrand, who's eight feet in front of the goaltender, able to go at him one-on-one, beats him, two to nothing game. Then it looked like Boone Jenner was getting his second of the game when he shot from inside the blue line. And it was ruled, and I didn't see it initially, but thanks to high-definition cameras and super slow motion, 
they were able to figure out that the shot from Jenner, the puck just glanced off the blade of the skate of Eric Robinson. So he got the goal. At that point, it wasn't about who gets the goal. It's about getting goals. And it was three to nothing. And then I think the Blue Jackets may have exhaled a little bit. And I think if they did, it cost them because Dallas came roaring back with two goals of their own. Now it's a one-goal game once again. The pivotal play late in the third period. Blue Jackets are clearing their own end. Nick Foligno is in the neutral zone. Foligno jumps, leaves his skates, stretches his arm out. He's trying to glove down a puck that is high above his head. And he missed the puck. It went over his glove. And Andre Sekera made contact with him, knocked him down. And the officials called an interference penalty. And Rick Bonus, the head coach of the Stars, was livid on that bench. Because at that time, there were three minutes and some odd seconds left in the game. Two of them just disappeared because now you're shorthanded. So, hey, look, sometimes those calls go your way. Sometimes they don't. It went the way for the Blue Jackets last night. I don't know. Was it a – should it have been a, a real a penalty or not? In the NFL, it would have been ruled an uncatchable pass and no pass interference. But anyway, like I said, they got – they didn't score on the power play but they used it to run two more minutes off the clock and then, you know, continued to do something that they did really well last night, block shots, pack it in in front of the goalie. They did that. They survived. They get the win. They get the points. Huge, absolutely huge for this team. So it was a very, very good win. And now there's another game in Dallas coming up tomorrow night at eight o'clock. I'll talk to you about that in just a little bit, but right now I want to bring on my guest today, uh, he was drafted by the Nashville Predators, started his career there. He got traded to Philadelphia, which is really where he made his name in the NHL. Came to Columbus, put in a couple of good years as a veteran presence for the Blue Jackets, and finally finished it in Nashville, where it all started. Now, he's living just outside of Philadelphia. He's doing some broadcasting for the Flyers, and he also is on NHL Network, which makes him an international star. Without any further ado, please welcome in former Blue Jacket, Scott Hartnell. Well, Scott, first of all, it's great to see you. Great to talk to you. And, well, I see you a lot because I see you on NHL Network quite a bit. Uh, what's the transition been like for you to go from player to TV star? Well, it's it's not easy. If anyone tells you it's easy, you know, kind of being on TV and getting your thoughts uh, into words and, you know, portraying them to a national audience, uh, uh, they'd be they'd be fooling you. It, it, the first time I was on uh, the NHL Network, I I had to actually ask a question to a uh, a media guy from Edmonton, and and you know I'm usually the one answering the questions from the reporters and things like that. And I just like froze and I got real real quiet. And I didn't know you know I didn't project my question. You know like you and I are having a conversation now, and you know the uh, the producer of the show was in my ear. He's like, hey, you need to just you know you know project what you're saying. And I was like, I'm like dude, my heart rate's like 180. I'm so nervous. I'm shaking. I'm <laughs> so the first, uh, the first couple of days I was, uh, you know, you don't want to screw up. You want to try and be perfect, but, uh, that's not the case. And, you know, you, you just kind of learn as you go and the reps, uh, all help. So it was uh, an interesting, you know, start, but, uh, I think I feel a lot more comfortable when, uh, when I'm on there. You see, when, when you would come off the ice after a morning skate and those doors would open and all of the media guys would come in there and, and you know, you guys would think that was an easy job. Hey, some of them, it's an easy job, but <laughs> you have a new appreciation, I would, I would imagine, right? Yeah, you know, you got to, you know, ask the right questions. You don't want to sound silly asking, uh, you know, I would say not dumb questions, but just 
questions you're like as a player like that doesn't make any sense right and um but i yeah it's just it's different being on the other side of it and you know i've talked to nick felino uh you know and cam atkinson my boys there in columbus and you know still have some friends here in philadelphia that i i do the uh pre-intermissions and post game stuff for for the flyers and and you know i talk to them and it's not like i'm trying to get a scoop to you know, use on air. I'm just calling to say like, Hey, how you feeling? Are you banged up or whatever? Right. And you know, it's, it's like, are you asking us Scott Hartnell, my friend or the, uh, the media guy? And I'm like, Oh gosh, here we go. I'm done. I'm like, I won't call you for a month. That's... That is the double-edged sword. You're, you're absolutely yeah. right. Because there's always the antenna up going, wait a minute. Am I going to hear about this later? Am I going to read about this somewhere later? But um, no, that's great. I think it's great. Did you, did you know that you were always going to go into doing this or was it something that you decided once you, once you stopped playing? Uh, it, was, it was probably a few years, uh, my last few years of my playing career, you know, Elliot Friedman reached out, uh, you know, asking if I wanted to do some playoff stuff, you know, if when, you know, Columbus, we didn't make the playoffs a couple of years. And, you know, I was always hesitant to the hesitant of doing that just because, you know, I didn't want to, you know, when I was still playing, I wanted to focus on playing. I didn't want to worry about that. And, uh, you know, maybe looking back, I would have done a, a one of those series and kind of get involved, see how it all goes. But, you know, it, uh, I, you know, I just those guys were asking me, so I'm like, oh, maybe maybe that is something to do. I'll stay involved in the in the game a little bit. And, uh, do you want to be a, a coach or, you know, a management side or whatever? But this media stuff is fun. You get to go get, uh, you know, talk hockey, you know, just like you get to do, you, you know, we uh, you live a good life. Hockey is you know almost all I know um, really well. And. And it's just, it's fun to, you know, watch these guys play on TV and talk about it, the good and the bad and the ugly. And, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, bring my sense of humor to, you know, to the TV and hopefully that gets portrayed, to, you know, when people are watching. Yeah, that comes across great. And I think that that's really important because I think what this sport misses is a lot of that. I, I think, and I think it's starting to change, but if you look at the way hockey's been covered, it's always serious and we shouldn't joke around as much. Uh, I think you bring a breath of fresh air to the way that the game is covered and, and I really enjoy it. So don't stop doing that. Yeah. And I, I love your calls with the two new guys there too. Throw me a line. Eh? <laughs> and, then, and then with uh, Jack too, I forget what you said with Roslovich. It was pretty, you don't know pretty, Jack. Yeah. You don't know Jack Roslovich. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good stuff. No, I appreciate that. Um, did you talk to Jody Shelley before you went into this venture? Of course, you guys were teammates in Philly and uh, friends when you were playing here. Uh, did you pick his brain? Yes, definitely. I, you know, uh, just talking how he, you know, I didn't think that he would be as good as early as he is and was, uh, you know, uh, doing his color gig. And, um, you know, and he, he just said, be yourself, Scotty. He's like, you got a great personality. You know, the, the reps will help. Obviously, Brian Boucher, another uh, former Blue Jacket, uh, talked to him. He's doing a heck of a job on uh, NBC Sports uh, inside the glass. So th those couple of guys have been, you know, really good for me. And I actually had my first color game with uh, Jim Jackson here from the Flyers uh, this weekend, the 7 p.m. Uh, versus the Bruins. So um, it'll be a little bit different. I'm kind of job shadowing uh, Keith Jones and JJ when they're they're calling the uh, away games in studio. I'm sitting there listening, you know, kind of do the producers playback in your ears. I get the headset on and, you know, just kind of learn it from Jonesy, who's uh, one of the best in the business as well. So I got to, I got that to look forward to. And I'm sure my, my heart rate will be up, uh, you know, in the high 100s too, you know, trying to, uh, you know, cut, color analyze the game, uh, you know, what is going on. 
Hey, just remember, it might be a little bit different, but it's all the same, Scott. It just yeah. And and as you said, Jim Jackson, the complete pro who does the play-by-play on TV for the Flyers, and man, the fact that you have a guy like Keith Jones right there who does all the national work that he does and all the work in Philly. I mean, you're not learning from a novice or anything, right? Yeah, no, he's he's got a great sense of humor too. He's very very dry, very uh, very witty, and you know, just kind of listen to how he you know looks at the game and. Uh, you know, you kind of describe how and why the play happened and, you know, what I saw, you know, kind of going forward. So it'll be, uh, it'll be my first game actually watching one in the stands for a while too. It's a home game. So they set up the little booths, uh, you know, in the stands and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting just to see how it is. And I think they're actually allowing uh, fans as well. I think they got about 2,100 fans coming in. So it's, uh, it'll be an exciting day for, you know, the, the fans to get back in the building and uh, see some different energy rather than the, the, the crowd noise that they put in there. Yeah, you'll be amazed. I mean, we had 1,950 the other night, and yep. it wasn't very many, but it was so different. It was so much a step toward back toward normalcy uh, just by having some real noise, as you just said. And I can see yeah. that you're learning the business really well because you just said uh, the how and why. That's what I tell students all the time. I said, look, as a play-by-play, I'm the who and what. As a color analyst, you're the how and why. Tell me how it happened. Yeah. Tell me yeah. why it happened, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Well, just a terrible turnover there by Claude Giroux and <laughs> – Pasternak buries his fifth goal of the game. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because I did want to ask you about that. Um, being in Philadelphia, of course, first of all, when you're in Philly, you're under a microscope for everything because uh, the fans are all over it. Um, but Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, these are guys that you played with as teammates. And now you're on the other side and you're breaking down their games. And if there's something that you do have to point out that they didn't do so right, um, are you comfortable with that yet? Yeah, you just got to be honest, right? And and the beginning of the year, you know, the Flyers were winning games, but they were playing absolutely horrible hockey. And, uh, you know, I just, I just, you know, I didn't call out Jake, but I'm like, you know, on his back check here, he was a little bit lazy. It leads to, you know, a big opportunity. If he takes three extra uh, hard strides, he's going to get his stick there to break up that pass. And you don't have to rely on Carter Hart. And, you know, I said that after the game, you know, be a little bit different at doing it live. And, you know, you try and, say that in the most respectful way because usually it's well it's normally just the flyers uh, fans watching but you know i talked to my mom and dad ab- about it too and you know just you know always get advice from them going forward and and my mom said just always remember there's always a mother of the other team listening so you don't want to talk talk bad about them like i've heard announcers talk bad about you you know when they couldn't get the home feed and and she goes i don't like it one bit <laughs> so i was like all right mom all right <laughs> that's really true and it's um you know I, for me if i'm doing a high school event i'm very cognizant of that because you know their kids are not getting paid and you know yeah. I, I won't break it down the same way that i would doing an nhl game by any means but uh, it's still the same. Your mom's right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. There's no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can't, you can't uh, be good to everybody, but I, you know, I'm excited. It's, you know, to watch the plays and, you know, I just got to, Jody said, uh, gave me some advice too, like get in, get out. You know what I mean? Get in, say your couple things. You don't want to be talking about, you know, the hometown of Carter Hart and Sherwood Park, Alberta, when there's a breakaway going the other way. And JJ's like, get up, you know, let me talk. Let me call it. Right. So, so I was like, all right, good, uh, good point. Good point. So it'll be, uh, um, I actually, well, remember I tried to get uh, with you when I was in Columbus, my first year uh, retired, I wanted to come in and, you know, kind of be the color guy with you. And uh, unfortunately it didn't work out, but you know, that would have been a good uh, learning experience as well. Yeah, I, I know. I still, 
don't bring that up. I'm still regretting that that never happened. That that would have been awesome. But uh, yeah. Uh, but but look, it's it's working out for you, great, and I'm so happy for you on that. And and Jody's right. Like when you're when you're working with Jim, that's going to be your thing for the first uh, probably the first period is figuring out how it works. Right. You're going to have to yeah. figure out what his tendencies are. And really, are you finding out as you do this, like when it comes to that, um, are you finding it? in some ways it is like when you played where you had to figure out the tendencies of your line mates or your defensemen. So you knew where to cover or where to be and when to be there. Yeah. It'd be colors a little bit different, you know, as you know, so I'll probably learn on the fly with that one, but uh, you know, talking, you know, talking right after the game, you feel like you played it right. And you try and analyze it. And you know, when I actually was playing, you know, I didn't, uh, unless I did something, you know, really bad, I didn't really think about too many plays. And now guys, you know, they watch their shifts after, right after the games, they watch the shifts right after periods, you know, where I could have been or where I could have shot that. So uh, it just seems more and more these days, these, these kids are like students of the game, right. To, to always get better. They're always, you know, we always worked on our shot back in our day, but uh, they do a lot more uh, than I did, you know, during the beginning of my career than I did, uh, uh, you know, probably forever. Right. So. Does that take any of the fun factor out of the game? I mean, it, it's great that they're working on it. It's great that they're studying, but I mean, you guys worked on stuff, but you had fun and look, you just got done playing. I mean, it's, it's not like you played uh, when Bobby Clark played or anything like that. Right. I mean, it's, uh, but the game is changing very rapidly, isn't it? Yeah. I, well, I think, well, I was in Columbus when I, uh, I think it was, uh, the beat writer there oh gosh uh poor sign yeah poor yeah, sign and and did an interview with me he's like oh you're a throwback player i'm like yeah you know after a game i'd you know love to have a beer and you know instead of a protein shake you know i'm kind of laughing <laughs> or whatever and and i uh, got a call from yarmo and jd after the game hey like you can't say that to the paper you know <laughs> like and i'm like well that's just you know that's kind of who i am right and and uh you know, just joking with that, but it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's changed a little bit. The, I wouldn't say I wouldn't be having fun uh, in the NHL these days right now. It's obviously a uh, uh, different circumstances, but um, you know, I played in a great time uh, of the NHL. It was fun. You know, the road trip staying over uh, just the camaraderie of the guys, hardly any cell phones. So guys aren't sitting at the dinner table, you know, refreshing their Twitter or Instagram and that kind of stuff. There was, you had some real conversations and, and good time. So those uh, definitely played at the right time where uh, you definitely had those connections with uh, your teammates. Could you imagine playing this year when you get sent on the road and you have to stay in the hotel? Uh, it's the hotel and the rink. Uh, there's no team dinners. There's no get togethers. Uh, you're in your room a lot of the time. Uh, I think for some, and I, and I would say, you know, Nick Felino and Cam Atkinson, who you mentioned earlier, you know, guys yep. that have been around for a while. That's got to be devastating, isn't it? Yeah, you, you see so many cool things in these cities, right? I, I was talking with uh, with this uh, with someone last week, and you know, when my first couple times I went to St. Louis, I went to the St. Louis Arch, right, and went up in the the thing, and went, you know, whatever. When Dallas, we went to the Grassy Knoll where JFK was shot, and you know, we did all these cool things in in the cities that you know they are known for, right? And now it's you just go to your room and you know, kind of sit in your bed and my back would be just barking. It would be messed up every morning because you're basically laying down for uh, not only just your nine, nine hours sleep, you know, you're, you're in there five, six hours before that too. So it's, it's a different, uh, different animal these, these days. And, you know, I don't, uh, uh, I don't wish that upon anyone because I would be, you know, losing my mind and, you know, they, uh, I don't know. It's just crazy to, to realize that the guy go through this. Yeah. And it's, 
It, it is crazy. And, you know, we don't travel, of course, as you said, the, the Flyers guys yep. are doing the away games in the studio. And, um, yeah, that's what I've been told by players. You don't want to go on the road. It's just simply not fun. So, uh, yeah, I feel for them when it comes to that, no doubt. Uh, put on your NHL Network analyst hat for me for just a second and yep. tell me, as you look into Columbus and what's going on here, uh, what do you what do you see? And, and having connections here, I think that you see a little bit more than most, but what do you see going on here? Uh, I see, well, it was a big win. They needed a big win the last game. Uh, the 4-1 victory, I think it is. But you could tell when guys are gripping a stick a little bit too tight where, you know, you, you have that split-second indecision. Should I pass it? Should I shoot it? Next thing you know, you know, a defenseman are so quick, they get the stick in the lane and there's no shot. And that you've seen there was a lot of that. And, you know, when it rains, it pours. And it, it's, you know, it's been a, a four or five games where there was just nothing going on for, for the Blue Jackets. And, uh, you know, you need those one or two games to kind of get the confidence back. And then, uh, it explodes. You know, Cam Atkinson has been unbelievable here the last uh, few weeks. He, uh, you know, he's a scorer that that scores in bunches. You know, Nick Foligno, uh, he's going to the right areas. Boone's going to the right areas. And, and you know, soon enough, you're going to get those breaks. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's frustrating to see. because You can see the good players. You can see it's it, it's there, but it's just not coming together. And that's probably the biggest uh, frustrating thing for management coaches alike. You know so many of these guys, and and you know I've been around them obviously, and I, I've I've watched them when when things go well, they can go very well, and when they start to go badly, they can get bad really quick for this group. Um, you know it, they're they're as Jody says all the time, they are a feel good team. When they feel good, uh, they do great things. Um, why is that typical of most teams? Do you think, or uh, or what what is that dynamic? The confidence dynamic. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing, the confidence word, right? It's, you know, when you personally, you I've been on, you know, seven, eight, ten goalless routes, and then it's it's one thing that goes off your shin pad, you get a rebound, or, you know, the goalie's out of the net, you get a tap in that's laying right on the goal line, and then the next six, seven games, you get, you rattle off 13, 14 points, right? And, you know, that's what Cam Atkinson's doing, and, and you need other guys to kind of follow suit in that, and yeah, you know what? When things are going great, they're great. But when they go bad, you know, for something, you know, for players and for the team, they could go real bad. So you want to try and even that out if you can. And other guys get going when you know some guys are struggling. And and Torres does a great job of of trying to find that chemistry to, um, you know, light a fire under someone's butt to to get them going. And you know, I uh, you know, I saw the boost of confidence that Yarmo gave Torres. And you know, I I love Torres as a coach, as a person, and. I, uh, you know, he's very demanding at times, but he, he, he knows that's the best way to, uh, to get his guys going. Yeah. When, and I wanted to ask you about John Tortorella because, you know, overall in the media, uh, people are very quick to jump on him and, you know, if there's a problem with the team, the problem's got to be him and, and this and that. And, you know, I, I have a close relationship with him, so it's skewed because I know how he is, but you're the same way you played for him and, yep. and, you know, so how do you, how do you approach that? Like, especially you're on these national shows and you're talking about it, your experience as a player playing for John Tortorella, how does that, uh, what insight has that given you that maybe other members of the media just don't know? They, they have their talking points about him, but you actually know him. Yeah, no, I, I wish I would have had torts when I was, you know, 20 years old, right. 28 to 24 years old to make me uh, be, be a, a pro every day I'm at the rink. You know, I like to screw around. I like to have fun. Uh, you know, for him, when you're at the rink, it's work. Not that I didn't work beforehand, but it would instill that in you. Uh, when you come to play during the games, you play. 
or you're not going to play, right? You're going to, uh, I, you know, took how many bad penalties during my career? You know, the only coach that kind of made me uh, accountable for that was Tortorella, right? You know, I got scratched a couple games. I was, you know, obviously upset about it, but at the end of the day, I was like, wow, it's, you know, got to think more of the team first than, you know, me punching someone in the face or whatever, right? So, uh, you know, those few things right there uh, are just, were good teaching tools for me. And I was 34 years old, right? Um, you know exactly where you stand with tours. There's no uh, screwing around. If you're uh, you're playing well, you're going to play. If you're not playing well, you're you're definitely not going to play. And and when you are out there, you have to do the right things. You got to back check hard. You got to forecheck the right way. You got to do the systems because if everyone's doing that, everyone's going to be on the same page. And you know it'd be interesting to see or talk to you know Pierre Luc Dubois. You know when he you know in five ten years, you know who was one of your you know favorite coach or who's one of your best coaches and even though torts was hard on him and wanted him to be bet, you know better every night because he wanted to push him to be that best player uh, it'd be interesting to see if he actually does come back and say torts because you know at the time you might not like it how hard he is on you you might think he's picking on you or whatever but he's he's doing the best thing for you speaking of pierre luc dubois you know the the city has kind of taken this over the last couple of years um the people here feel that the city's getting this reputation that this is a place that good hockey players don't want to stay. They, they, they want to get out. Of course, Bobrovsky and Panarin leave as free agents. Uh, the Dubois saga happens earlier this year is a guy who played here is a guy who lived here. Uh, can you dispel some of those rumors about uh, Columbus and it really is a good hockey town? It's I'd still be living there. Uh, if it wasn't for my wife and her family uh, back in this area, uh, she wanted to, uh, raise our children around her parents and I you know I get that I think everyone with one that has family around to help out uh, she's so we have some nieces and nephews that are close in age uh, around here so it's it's it made sense for us to come back but other than that I'd still be there for sure I uh, love the town uh, the group of guys there are awesome it's a great organization they uh, you know uh, just a classy classy town classy organization everything is, is top-notch and you know, great golf, you know, you can talk about the schools, like everything is, uh, is, is really awesome there in Columbus. Um, you know, as for guys not wanting to be there, I think, uh, you know, it might be the other way around, you know, uh, the organization might want to not want to sign Bobrovsky because they got Corpusalo in the wings. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I, I know they made a big run at Panarin, but you know, the other guys that have left, uh, you know, Dubois, if you don't want to be here, you know, screw you. See, see you later. And, and you bring in a couple of great players that have, have played uh, really well for them and, and hopefully you can get them signed. So, uh, it's just, it's interesting to see, oh, no one wants to play there. That's what the media says or whatever. But, you know, I wouldn't want to play in Toronto, just how the media acts to you. You can't go outside without getting robbed. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things where every, every city has some great things and, um, you know, every city has, you know, a few bad things as well. Who wouldn't want to play in Florida, but you know, it's, it, is it a cool place to play hockey? Probably not, but it's a great place to live. Phoenix, Arizona, same thing, right? It's uh, you can pick the good and bad with everything. Right. Right. And I always say guys get paid such the amount of money. You, you can go visit anywhere you want to, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, Nick Felino, who you mentioned, of course, you're good friends with, uh, you know, he's in a contract year here and, and, and I wonder, and I, I really hope that they find a way for Nick to stay here. And I don't, I don't know what his thoughts are, but um, speaking as his former teammate and his former friend, you know, how important is this guy to the Columbus Blue Jackets and to the Columbus community? Well, he just wears his, his heart on his sleeve, right? You could tell that, uh, you know, off the ice when I first got traded there, he was reaching out to me, 
you know, uh, just an instant friend, right? A uh, friend for life, we call it. There's a lot of hockey friends that you have that you play with, that you lose touch with. But, you know, Nick's uh, just does an excellent effort of reaching out to me. I do the same to him. And, you know, we'll always, uh, you know, have that bond of friendship, uh, you know, forever. So he's uh, just a class act off the ice, on the ice, you know, same thing. He plays, uh, uh, plays hard every shift. He, you know, uh, demands a lot from his teammates as well. He's, uh, he's got the skill, he's got the shot, he's got the speed. It's not like he's slowing down right now. So I think he is the, the leader of that, uh, the team of the city. And, you know, I think people look up to him as well. So it's, it's always good to have a guy like that. And, uh, you know, might not be, you know, Crosby uh, being your captain, but, you know, Nick Foligno brings a lot to the table. And, uh, you know, I hope he, you know, signs back there and, and continue his career in Columbus. And uh, he's always it, unfinished business there in Columbus, right? Yeah, they won around a couple of years ago to get to the second round. They want more. He wants more. And he could, uh, every time I talk to him, he's, uh, you know, he's always, uh, you know, what do you think, Scotty? What can I do? What can I do here? You know, uh, whatever, right? So he's, uh, he's just always learning. He's always got uh, the right frame of mind of the team first. And that's uh, what you want in the captain. You know, after the game the other night, uh, being the first game with fans in the building, Nick went and got on the uh, microphone and talked on the PA and, and thanked the fans and told them how much they would miss that they had missed them and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and everybody felt good because it was a four to one win, but I, I just thought it was really classy. I don't know whose idea it was, but it was, it was really classy. So you might want to tell Claude Drew that it wasn't a bad move. If you're getting some fans yeah. back in Philly, right? <laughs> yeah, I will. Just uh, they'll be even, they'll love Claude even more. <laughs> yeah. Now, unless you lose five to one, then you might want, might not want to get on there. <laughs> yeah. They might, he might not, they might not hear him over the booze because that's how Philly is. Huh? Um, <laughs> it, it, it is such a unique city when it comes to the fans. I love teasing torts about it all the time because, you know, of course they hated him when he was there. Um, what is it about the Philadelphia fan? I, I, from the outside, you look and you go, these are the biggest jerks in the world. But I know once you get in there, that they're just hard on their sleeve carrying people and they're going to give you crap and you just give it back. Right. Yeah. I, well, I said this the other day too. I was, uh, uh, with my first must've been my second game or third game in a Philadelphia Flyers Jersey, you know, playing and it was a TV timeout. So nothing's really going on. And next, you know, the crowds get louder and louder and louder and, you know, kind of look up and, you know, all the guys stand up on the bench and look back and there's a Rangers fan and a Flyers fan just toe to toe in the stands and beers flying everywhere and people are, you know, dumping beers on the Rangers fan. I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a great place for me. Like, I'm, you know, you just act, you know, not like a goof, but you, you know, I play hard. I, you know, fly, I got my hair flying everywhere and I'm like, this is going to be a good fit for me. And uh, they, they, they're hard on the guys, you know, they, you know, obviously yell and shoot on the power play, you know, cause they just want, you know, goals and action and, uh, you know, the fights when things aren't going so good, but they're, they're great, uh, great fans and very passionate. Uh, you know, it's probably the best way to describe them. When you played there, you were the perfect Pennsylvania guy <laughs> because you were loved in Philly and you were hated in Pittsburgh. And I, I was born <laughs> in Pittsburgh and grew up around there. So I, I still know my family. So if I, if I called my brother and I said, I'm going to talk to Scott Hartnell, he, why would you talk to Scott Hartnell? Why would you talk to that <laughs> jerk? <laughs> how, much, how much did you enjoy being part of that rivalry uh, when you were in Philly? And then actually it kind of carried over when you came to Columbus because Pittsburgh comes into the division. You were able to stick it to him a couple of times there too. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's just fun going to other teams rank and trying to ruin, you know, 20,000 fans and everyone watching at home that we just kicked the crap out of the pens and, you know, just beat up Malkin and beat up Crosby and run over Latang and, 
fought somebody, you know, Craig Adams and, uh, you know, you go on and on. And, uh, you know, I think there was a, uh, a poll in Pittsburgh, you know, one of the most hated athletes of all time, uh, all time on other teams. And I was up there on top of the list. So I was uh, pretty, you know, when you're up there, you're doing a, a good job. So uh, I just love, you know, kind of getting under their top guy's skin. And, you know, we had some great playoff matches and that's where, you know, rivalries are made. They had our numbers, uh, you know, the 2007, 2008, they beat us when they were, uh, when, uh, when they got a cup, I think in the 09 and then, you know, we took it to them two or three years in a row and, and mopped them up in the playoffs too. So it's uh, uh, exciting to get in those battles and uh, just enjoy, uh, I don't know, just enjoy playing, you know, talk about it kind of makes you miss it and want to get out there and play right there. Flyers are playing Pittsburgh tonight and, you know, I'm working uh, the pre and post. So it'll be uh, uh, just fun. Like you're actually playing because you're cheering for the Flyers and you want them to win and have a good playoff run. Did you, what kind of relationship did you have with Sidney Crosby when you played? Uh, you know, he's an honest player. You know, I think, you know, when he first came to the league, you know, he was kind of a little bit of a baby, I think. And, you know, people, he had that persona for a bit. And, you know, once he won his cup, uh, you know, in the back-to-back cups, uh, you know, he's just uh, a solid guy. You know, I've hung out with him uh, away from the rink a couple of times, you know, a couple of uh, drinks with him or whatever. And uh, he's just a down-to-earth guy. You know, you, you kind of, you kind of want to picture these guys on other teams that you hate that are, you know, beating your team or scored all these goals against you. You want them to be, you know, an a-hole or, you know, just a, <laughs> just a prick. Right. <laughs> and he's like one of the nicest guy. And you hear that, you know, time and time throughout the, the whole league, the guys that you want, you, you hope they're bad guys, but they end up being, you know, the nicest guys in the world and probably your best friend if you played on that team. Right. So that's the, that's the kicker of this game. It's a beautiful game, but, uh, those things they disappoint you when they're not uh, uh, not good, uh, the good guys, right? Yeah, it still happens in the media business too because I know we've gotten guys throughout the year, and I thought, oh, this guy, I'm, this is not going to be fun. And in many cases, <laughs> I was like, oh, I, he's cool. I want to go talk yeah. to him again. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On the right well, John Tortorella is a great example. I, I I've told him this story. You know, when he first got hired, I went and I watched all his YouTube clips, and and I looked at my wife and I said, how am I going to handle this guy? Um, I was, you know, my first interview I did with him in Minnesota, I was, I was nervous and I had done it yeah, for like yeah. 20 years. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, now it's, uh, now it's second nature. He's, uh, you know, he gives it to me. I give it to him. We have a good time and he gives me great information. So it, what do you yeah, miss the most? What, what, one of my best stories about Torres too, you know, is, you know, he was hard on us and, you know, I wasn't playing much. I was on the fourth line with, with, uh, Sam Gagne and Lucas Sedlak and, we were, you know, a lot of times our best, uh, best line, a lot, uh, a lot of nights, right. I think I almost had 20 goals on, you know, playing eight, nine minutes a night. And, you know, so I, you know, my brothers would ask, you know, how is he? And I'm like, oh, you know, I just can't get on the ice. You know, I'm like upset, you know, whatever he's saying this to this guy, he's calling me out. He sat me like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. So not a lot of good talk, but looking back, stepping away, it was, you know, good for the team. Good for this. We had a great team that one year we were almost, uh, almost president's trophy actually until the last like 10 days of the season. Anyway, my brother uh, and his son fly in. Uh, my nephew was, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, 10 years old, something like that. And, and so Tort sees my brother and my nephew with the blue jacket jersey on and, you know, Hey, you know, Scott, who's this? And I'm like, oh, it's my brother, Devin. And Oh, where are you from Devin? And you know, who's this little guy and uh, William. And, you know, they talk for like literally two minutes, a long time to talk for two minutes for a coach who's busy doing something. And, and my brother looks at me, he's like, oh my God, he's the nicest man ever. What are you talking about? I'm like, 
that's not him. That's not how he usually talks to me. I'll tell you that much, right? So uh, it was pretty funny to have that little uh, little interaction. And, and so we always, uh, Devin always, my brother always gave it to me after that. Tell Devin, wear that jersey from 7 to 9.30 and sit in front <laughs> yeah. of him and tell me if you feel yeah. the same way, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you miss the most about playing? Uh, a few things. I miss the, the, the soccer game before the game, the kickball. Uh, you get warmed up, you have, uh, you know, 10 or 12 guys and you're warming up and you're trying to stir uh, the other guy to get him out of, uh, uh, out of the game. And, you know, everyone's trying to win. That's the competitive part of it. Obviously I miss playing. I miss warmups, you know, no helmet skating around with the flow going, uh, I miss that a lot. Uh, just being around the guys in the plane, the cars in the plane, you know, going for dinners on the road, uh, you know, obviously, you know, playoffs too. That's, that's what everyone um you know we had a good run in 2010 here with the flyers that uh you know we lost in game six in the finals and you know it's uh you know didn't win us down the cup but just those playoff games were so intense and and uh you know just love uh love all that what's going on with your uh hartnell down foundation because uh i i assume you're not falling down on the tv set now so uh, <laughs> how are you keeping it going <laughs> uh we actually we kind of shut it down actually bob we uh, we had a good run. We had probably six, seven years. So we had a, a couple of great nights in, in Columbus, uh, raising a bunch of money. A bunch of kids came up to, from Columbus to Minnesota to participate in these hockey camps, uh, you know, in, uh, in Philadelphia as well. We had a bunch of kids fly out from here. So uh, it was kind of a, you know, something that I probably knew was going to shut down after I was done playing and, and it kind of did wind down, but it was uh, brought a lot of good memories. And, you know, for someone you know, counting how many times I fell down on the ice, uh, you know, kind of poking fun of me, maybe being a bully and, you know, turn it into something so wonderful and, and great for kids uh, uh, that probably couldn't, didn't have the opportunity to, to go to these hockey camps and see us pros practice and train, uh, you know, just, uh, it was an awesome feeling. Yeah, I give you a lot of credit for that because that, the self-deprecating part of you turned into <laughs> so many good things for so many kids, right? Honestly. Yeah, no, it was great. And, and one of my best recollections of it, you know, you know, watching these kids, you know, do the plyometrics and jump over, you know, all these hurdles and things like that. It was, uh, it was one night and uh, these kids uh, from Philadelphia, they're laying down on the grass. I'm like, you guys are right. And, and in Minnesota, in the middle of the country, and they're looking up at the stars and they're like, look, you know, and I hadn't looked up at the stars, you know, probably in my adult life. Right. So I laid down beside him for uh, a few minutes and, and it was just like mind blowing how many stars you could see. And, you know, these kids are growing up in, you know, in the city and, you know, with all the lights and everything, you can't see how beautiful the sky was. Right. And so we sat there for five minutes, didn't even say a word and just kind of looked up there and was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Like, thanks guys for making me, you taught me something, right. Just to slow down in my life and, and look what's beautiful. And uh, it was pretty, uh, that was a good moment that me and a couple of kids had. That's awesome. And it's awesome that they came back to you just like that. Uh, the last thing I want to ask you about, we were talking about working in the broadcast business and it's like working with line mates on the ice <laughs> who are your favorite people to work with at the nhl network maybe i shouldn't put it that way because you don't want to shun anybody <laughs> but um who do you uh who do you feel you work with the best at the nhl network how about that uh kevin weeks is great uh he's got such a good sense of humor his his knowledge of the game the players that are playing he's uh uh just a real real good cat uh you know the host there's tony Luffman. Uh, what is it like to work with Tony? What, because oh. like I've interviewed Tony before and I watch him and a couple weeks ago, I watched him interview Phil Bork before a game. I mean, he's nuts, right? He's nuts. He, I, I was just going to say that he is absolutely nuts. 
And, you know, we talk in the, the pre-meetings, you know, just to kind of get some feeling of the games and, you know, you know, Scotty, what do you uh, think in this situation or any interactions with this guy? And I'll tell like a quick story and, and, you know, and then we get on air and he'd be like, I didn't know he was probing me for a story to ask me on the air. Right. And, you know, whether it's an offside story or not, not like a good story, or bad story. Um, you know, and I'm sitting there telling it. he's like losing it, cracking up. Like it is a funny story. Right. But he's like, you know, over the top and, you know, brings me, gets my person to go, you know, get going to the people on the, on TV. So he's, he does a great job, but uh, they're all great. They're all, uh, they're all professionals, good pros. And uh, it's amazing, you know, now being in it, how good you guys are, how good you are, Bob uh, Rimmer, just like getting the best or getting, the good stories out from you guys or from us, right? The, the analysts, I guess. And they just, they're so good at just, you know, teeing you up softballs and, and, you know, we try and hit them out of the park. Right. So it's, it's been a, a good learning curve here the last few years and, and, you know, being in Philly, um, you know, doing the stuff for the flyers, it's kind of fun, you know, kind of focusing on one team and, and uh, you know, cheering for the cheering for the flyers. Well, that, that's the key to it, Scotty. I mean, we, yeah, we, we set you guys up, especially early on. I, I, I like to make, I like to make you feel comfortable, right? Just make it, let you know when you can talk. That's, that's the, the biggest thing I think for former players. Uh, when can I talk? Should I say something now? And so if I can make that easy on guys, that goes the best, but at the end of the day, and I think you're finding this out from everything you said at the end of the day, we're just having conversations and trying to tell good stories. And to be honest with you, it's the same stories and same conversations we have on the bus in the hotel on the plane we just have to clean it up and take some of the words out. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Minus a few, a few F bombs. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, well, again, I'm, I'm glad to see you doing so well. I, I knew you were going to be a star at this. Uh, as you said, when, when it didn't work out that we could work together, I was really disappointed because I knew you were going to be good just because of your personality and I watch you all the time. And, uh, and I, I think you're great. I really do. And when do you and Jody Shelley get to work NHL network at the same time? I can't wait to see that. That's, that's, it's going to be on my, I might text uh, Josh Bernstein uh, up at the NHL network just to get us together. That would, that would be some good TV. I, I hope you tune in for that one, Bob. <laughs> oh, I, I did. I tune into it. I DVR it. I'd have to go back and watch it again. I guarantee you. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, it would be must see TV. No question. Scotty, well, thank sure you so you, much. Make, make sure you say hi to Jody. Uh, call him simple Jack for me. Uh, he'll get a kick out of that one. <laughs> Thanks, how's Bob. that? How's the family? Oh, great, man. It's they're they're awesome. My my son will be three in May. Uh, we have, we had a daughter uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic in April uh, last year in 2020. So uh, to be quarantined and not leave the house and have these two little uh, little loves of our lives to, to hang out with and, you know, kind of learn and teach them uh, everything that we know, just with uh, trying to teach Wesley how to speak and potty train and, you know, feeding bottles to, to our daughter, Molly. It's been nothing, uh, nothing short of perfect. And uh, just the perfect age to be a second home with them. It's like your last couple of years in the NHL with the rookies that were coming in, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Scotty, thank you so much. Uh, again, just right. great to talk to you and great to catch up and keep doing what you're doing, man. It's fun to watch. Thanks, Bob. Go CBJ. It was great to have Scott on today's show, and I really do think that he does a good job. I really, as I told him, I think he brings something that this game is lacking. He brings that sense of humor and that sense of fun. So, uh, it's always fun to talk to him, and I'm glad he came on and spoke with us here today. Blue Jackets in the Dallas Stars once again tomorrow night, 8 o'clock face-off in Dallas. And so that means the pregame coverage will begin at 7.30, both on Fox Sports Ohio and on the Blue Jackets radio network. 
I hope you'll join me there. See if the Blue Jackets can get a sweep and close this thing out in Dallas. They need to start winning consecutive games. They need to put together some kind of a streak here. And hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully what we've seen in the last two games means that they're heading in that direction, that they're trending, right? That's the way to put it. Hopefully they're trending in a positive direction. So we'll see if they can get that second win against the Dallas Stars tomorrow night. That's going to do it for today's edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.